ask the Lord in worship if he had a word, a specific verse for the mothers in the room. And I heard real strong in my heart, Jeremiah 31.3, and it says this, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And so I just saw the, the loving kindness of the Lord like cords drawing you deeper into his heart of everlasting eternal love in this life and forever. And so that's my prayer for mothers today is that you would experience in a deeper way and you would see yourself in those cords by God himself drawing you into his heart and you get caught up in those cords and you wouldn't be able to get rid of those cords <laughs> for the rest of today and the rest of this year. So that's my prayer for mothers. We'll be in Luke chapter 17 today. If you have your Bibles and you like a paper Bible, you can turn there. We'll be in the New King James Version. Uh, the title of this message this morning is As in the Days of Noah and Lot. As in the Days of Noah and Lot. These are the words of Jesus here in Luke 17. And it's in the context of his second coming. His return to set up his eternal heavenly kingdom here on earth. Verse 26, words of Jesus. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now a few comments before we anchor back into that Luke 17 text. Matthew 24 instructs us clearly that we don't know the day or the hour, the exact day or the exact hour of the return of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we can't know the days, plural, or the times and the seasons that will precede his return. Jesus actually promised us that if we watch and pray, if we read our Bibles and go deep in the passages about his return and the days surrounding it, that we could become a people of understanding, like Daniel promises us, is possible. We have the ability, through God's grace and through our cooperation with that grace, to become able to discern the times and the seasons and become deeply aligned and aware of his end-time watch clock, his chronos for the end times. He said no to knowing a specific day or hour, but in that specific no, catch this, I see an invitation to look for and watch for these days to such an extent that we might even know the week of his return. Jesus could have said no man knew the year, the month, or the week of his return, but he said, he said no to knowing the day or the hour. What if, I see an invitation there, what if we become part of the company of people that are watching and praying so intentionally and have grown to know him so intimately that we can, as it were, feel and hear his breath at the door with so much clarity that we say to each other, guys, I think this is the week. 
I don't know. I don't know, but it might be. I think I hear him. What a company of lovesick people to be in. I want to be in that week. I don't know if it's appointed for me or Lane, or I don't know when it is, but I want to be in that week. Put me in that company, God. That's a prayer to pray in humility. The company that feels you, that knows you so much, that they can hear you at the door. I want to be a man of understanding that knows the Bible and knows the times and knows the details that I can hear them and I can tell people on that week, you better get right with them, just like I'm going to tell them this week. And that is my goal this morning, is that by the end of this message, that we would be more intimately acquainted with the characteristics of the days that will precede his return. I want us to know and feel and sense the climate that Jesus himself pointed us to so that we will be more prepared, more equipped to endure the days ahead so that we might thrive and turn many to righteousness and win many souls over to the everlasting kingdom of God in the days ahead. Bottom line, Jesus is coming back to a similar climate that existed in the days of Noah and the days of Lot in the Old Testament. He made that plain here in Luke 17. And I just believe him. I believe every word, every stroke of the pen that was written down about him in this Bible that we have. I believe these words here. Luke 17, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. What was the spiritual and moral climate of the days of Noah that Jesus said will be replicated in the days before his return? Verse 27 here gives us the plain and simple answer. Let's allow Jesus, the greatest Old Testament Bible commentator and scholar ever, tell us plainly the most important characteristics of the climate of the days of Noah and the flood. Verse 27 is what Jesus said. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Four things. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. These four things seem like totally okay and normal things to do. Eat, drink, have weddings. What's so wrong with this, Jesus? Are you calling us to never eat or drink or get married? Well, let's look at the next verse. The climate of Lot's day, again from Jesus' perspective and his commentary, so that we may gain a fuller picture of the climate that will be prevalent before his return. Verse 28, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Six things here. What was the great indictment? What was the error? What was the sin that Jesus was pointing out against these generations of Noah and Lot that will be replicated again? What's so wrong with this list of activities? Why didn't Jesus mention all the evil stuff that was definitely going on in Noah's and Lot's day? Like that every thought, Genesis 6 says, every thought that they had was evil and corrupt and how they intermarried outside the natural order how wickedness and lawlessness were prevalent everywhere with unspeakable things happening like sodomy and so many other things. Why didn't he mention those? Why did he point out these seemingly benign activities instead? 
Well, I believe that Jesus pointed these out to draw us to a core issue, a root issue of a general lack of connectedness with the one true God and actually bring down all of their outward evil into that core issue of a disconnected heart, which brings it very much into our world today and our reality, into our own individual hearts, no matter what we do, no matter what our occupation is. It's all about connectedness and relationship with God. We can draw out two big indictments from this list of activities of Noah and Lot's day. These activities, this list that Jesus mentioned here, were done with a willful indifference of a life of connectedness with God. To say it another way, a willful disconnectedness to the God who created them. And two, there was a willful ignorance of the coming judgment against their sin. Two big indictments. Willful disconnectedness in relationship with God and willful ignorance of a necessary judgment to come. These generations were willfully indifferent and passive towards the beautiful, loving, benevolent creator God who desired relationship with them above all. This was evidenced in their continual inward evil thoughts which proceeded outward into their actions. This generation lived disconnected lives in all arenas. They were indifferent to inviting God into their meals, into their marriages, and into their businesses. They were indifferent to God's ultimate five-year plan for their lives, which was connectedness. Instead, they were focused and connected to their five-year business plan at the expense of that five-year growth plan of the flourishing heart that God wanted to bring about in their lives. And God's five-year plan for Noah and Lot's generation is the same as it is for us today. He desires our hearts above and through and in all of our activities to expand in depths of love, purity, and humility, no matter what we do on the outside. Hear this the right way, guys, this morning. God doesn't care what you do. He doesn't care what you do, primarily. He cares that you're connected with him in love while you do it. This is why he didn't mention any of the sins on the outward. He mentioned that the, the core activities of their life, they were disconnected. The second indictment against Noah and Lot's day was that these generations willfully ignored the promised reality of a coming reign of judgment against their personal and corporate sins. They lived lives of willful ignorance to God's greater storyline and eternal narrative, specifically the ignorance promised that he would bring holy judgment to a people who willingly ignored God's ways and laws. They willfully ignored the prophetic warnings and the preaching and the lifestyle of righteous Noah until the day when the ark was shut and the rain started falling. These generations had a temporal, earthly perspective only. They lived for this life only. They didn't live for eternity. These generations of Noah and Lot live for maximal benefit and pleasure for these short few years here in this life instead of investing time, energy, and resources into the eternal kingdom of God. They ate and drank. That's mentioned twice. Why did Jesus mention eating and drinking twice here? I believe because these are the most fundamental activities of mankind. 
Not everyone's getting married. See Drew and Lauren back there, you're getting married <laughs> very soon. Congrats. <laughs> Not everyone's getting married, though. Not everyone's going to own a business or an agricultural empire, but everyone eats and drinks. Whether you eat or whether you drink, do it unto the Lord. Eating and drinking is a battleground for everyone. That's why he mentions it twice, I believe, across the board. Married wives and given in marriage. This generation had marriage disconnected from true covenant with God at the center. That sound familiar to our day? Sound current? This is why marriage was so jacked up back then, where there were homosexual unions were common, brokenness in the definitions of marriage, and even angelic, demonic unions were common. They bought and they sold. Their businesses and their bottom lines became their God. They were disconnected from the love and the ways of God. They became lovers of money and greed instead. Deception and corruption in business became rampant because they were disconnected to the God of equity and fairness. They planted and they built. Their empires and the things that they built for their names and their fame became their God because they were disconnected. They were disconnected in planting and building. This caused wrongful business practices again and greed back systems that violated God's plan for their heart to love their neighbor as themselves. Because they did this list willfully indifferent from God's eyes of justice and disconnected from relationship with him, great corruption and ignorance set in and entrenched itself in the climate. And that's what Jesus is doing here. That's what Jesus is doing. He says, look at the climate. He says, turn your attention to this climate. People all across the board are going to get more and more disconnected from me. That's what Jesus is saying. People are going to get more and more disconnected from his word. People will get more and more disconnected from a heart of love and a heart that wants to obey his ways. People are going to get more and more and more, even in the church, willfully ignorant of a judgment to come. How many Sunday morning messages are on the judgment to come this morning? I hope more. But he said it's going to happen. They're going to be willfully ignorant of the judgment to come. He says the love of many will grow cold. He's basically saying the disconnection of many will, will rise. These generations of Noah and Lot willfully ignored the coming rain. They ignored the day of rain that was promised. And God's first plan was to reign his holiness and righteousness and preserving salvation on each family like he did for Noah and Lot's family. That's his first plan, is a reign of holiness. Let's not forget that he saved those families. He saved Noah, Noah's family, eight souls, and Lot's family, minus Lot's wife, because she looked back. We won't go into that. It's interesting to know that even though all the evil was surrounding these families and these generations, God still takes the positive view and names these generations after the righteous families. Is he going to name this generation after the Adams in some way? As in the days of Todd and Sarah Adams. That's a prayer. Obviously, that's not biblical. He's, he's not good to name it, probably. But it, it, the heart behind it, you see it. <laughs> God still takes the positive view. He upholds the standard and remembers his righteous ones. He remembers you in this room this morning. 
This is always God's plan for every soul, every family, to rain righteousness on them. But families have to make the choice to drink in that holy rain and receive it willfully and joyfully. God wanted to pour out the rain of his Holy Spirit into each household in Noah and Lot's day in order to heal them from their sin sickness, their disconnectedness, and their willful ignorance from the inside out. But sadly, as we see in both Noah and Lot's generation, they willfully ignored and were indifferent to this righteous, holy rain that God had in his heart for them. And so he had to send another day of rain, a day of sweeping judgment. What's our action step today? I believe it's clear. I believe the Lord himself would invite each one of us to make a renewed stand in our heart to go, to swim upstream, to go in the opposite spirit of the climate of the days of Noah and Lot, to swim upstream with everything we have, with his empowering grace, giving us the energy to do it. It's to be willfully passionate, not indifferent, about living a life of growing connectedness with the beautiful God in and through and before and after we do anything. Stand up, I invite us this morning, if we wanna make that commitment through his grace to swim upstream, to go in the opposite spirit of the days of Noah and Lot. I invite you to stand up if you wanna make that commitment this morning. Stand up to stand out to be a connected Noah family and not like every other family that was living around them in the disconnectedness and all their activities. I see as everyone's standing here that you're standing to eat and to drink, to do the most fundamental activities in connected, prayerful thankfulness to a kind and loving God who gave you that food and gave you that drink. Where our meals can become little spaces of great thanksgiving where the presence of God is welcomed into our little breakfast with Baby Lane where she eats eggs and waffles. Let's eat and drink with glad and sincere and praise-filled hearts like Acts 2 shows us is possible. <laughs> Always think of the cash down home. Let's have marriages that truly have God at the center and are constantly seeking to glorify Jesus as their main goal where husband and wife are truly connected to God and to each other, where we truly love and serve our spouses like Jesus loves and serves us, all through God's empowering grace, through his Holy Spirit. Marriages that are biblically defined as one man and one woman, till death. Going in the opposite spirit of the day that seeks to remove God and change definitions and water down the definition of this covenant faithfulness that God called us to that we would buy and sell with justice and truth, that we don't cut corners or short people in our business activities, that we live truthfully and honestly as we possibly can when it comes to commerce, whatever side of the transaction we're on. We buy and sell with a connected heart to God that knows that he sees everything. He sees that connected heart. And a heart that has radical trust that if I do things the right way in business, he's going to take care of me. That's what it is. It's trust. And we plant and we build. Last thing, we plant and we build anything that God puts us to put our hand to. We plant and we build with not just our kingdom and our empires and names in mind. 
we plant and build with a connectedness and a thankfulness of heart that seeks heavenly wisdom in future planning and a heart that seeks to plant and build God's eternal kingdom with whatever resources and produce God deems it best to bless us with. We plant and we build in order to truly be a blessing to others as we have been blessed. We plant and build with a golden rule in mind from Jesus himself, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And lastly, let us set our hearts to actually accept and believe that a reign of judgment is coming against all that is disconnected and out of line and sinful. Everything that is disconnected from Jesus' heart and his truth, judgment is coming. Settle it in your heart right now. If you're standing up, I just invite you, settle it in your heart right now that a reign of judgment is coming. Jesus is coming back with his garment stained red, with the literal blood of people who will have stood in willful ignorance and opposition to him and his beautiful, wonderful plan. Settle in your hearts to go in the opposite spirit of ignorance and choose knowledge in the fear of the Lord that judgment is promised and it's coming that we will do everything possible by God's grace to search out and become a people of understanding as it relates to the details of the judgments in the Bible. Offend us, God. Offend us with these judgment realities now so that we're not offended on the day when the judgment starts raining down. Let us joyfully choose to rejoice in this coming judgment, knowing that Jesus as judge knows what he's doing and he's a good leader. And that judgment won't happen to the church, it will happen through the church. Let him sweep you away, I just wrote this with the worship song, let him sweep you away with his love now so we won't be swept away with his judgments then. Do you see yourself being swept away by the flood of his love? (laughs) Then the flood of his judgment can't touch you. Be swept away in connection now so we won't be swept away in disconnection then. So this week we looked at the past climate of Noah and Lot's day and how we can set our hearts to go in the opposite spirit and really stand out as righteous and holy in different families as well as move out of willful ignorance of the true judgment coming to our world and accept and rejoice in the coming eradication of sin and everything that's getting in the way of our hearts and his heart and love through his judgment on sin and systems of sin. Next week in part two of this message, we will look at and become more familiar with the promised future reigns in the Bible that the Bible makes clear are coming. Future reigns are coming. They're coming to our world. And I'm gonna hopefully give us practical responses that we can make in light of this forecast of rain as a collective spiritual family here. We will see how we can flesh out these two heart commitments that we made today with real practical choices that we can make with our most precious commodity, which is time. So we're gonna begin our dismissal now.